Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. It's chapter, it's book four, the fourth book, excuse me, in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Um, and we're up to chapter 23. Uh, we're going to begin with verse 1. Then Balaam said to Balak, Build seven altars for me here, and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. So the people, Balaam and Balak, one is sort of like a soothsayer, witch doctor, voodoo man, root man. Um, and the other one is someone who's come inquiring of him to seek his help with something. And um, the whole altars and rams and the animals and all that, it's the same, very similar to the same things that are required in other religions in the Bible, including um, uh, the main one in the Old Testament, uh, all the animal sacrifices and whatnot. It seems that uh, spiritually, at least, uh, it's very common with different religions for the blood shed to be a big part of the religious ceremony and ritual. Um, I guess the taking of life or involving yourself with the elements of life seem to be a big part of the um, element. Uh, of each of them, even though they, you know, say they're different religions, generally seem to be worshiping different gods also. Um, uh, but anyway, that just seems interesting that this what's going to be what we're reading about this today is going to be sort of like witchcraft and stuff that's right here in the Bible. So let's keep reading. Verse 2 in Balak did just as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered a bull and a ram on each altar. So, a bull, a male cow, and a ram, you know, a male goat. Um, they killed them, slaughtered them, and one on each of the altars that he told him. So it's basically the ceremony. Is it? It's not. Is it an incantation? I guess. Let's see. Verse three. Then Balaam said to Balak. Stand by your burnt offering, and I will go. Perhaps the Lord will come to meet me, and whatever he shows me, I will tell you. So he went to a desolate height. So it does sound like it's an incantation or even an um, invo invocation, invocation where he's actually invoking a spirit to um, interact with, like you would in um, different religions, including ones in the Bible. Um, I think it's called divination in some places. Um, it's some form of that uh, spiritualism where you're doing that. And like I said, I've been to someone who is like deceased now who could do something similar and interact with that realm, it seems. And, um, um, and so it's sort of like the same thing. And God met Balaam, verse 4, and verse 4, and God met Balaam. And he said to him, I've prepared the seven altars, and I've offered on each altar a bull and a ram. So this is like how we've um, had to start out the, some of the previous chapters, um, many of them, um, with people who are having these interactions with God 
and um, in this case, God is being translated from the word Elohim, um, like we've um, read before, not Jehovah, like the word Lord gets translated um, from. Um, but also, um, it contradicts, just like the previous chapters we read, contradict what it says in other parts of the Bible, that no one's seen God at any time, hasn't, haven't heard his voice or seen his form at any time. So how is it that people are having these kind of interactions with God? And when it says God, it can't possibly be God Almighty. But if it is God Almighty, which, you know, I'm not going to say it. I mean, if it can't possibly be God Almighty and the things that are said about God be also be true. They're mutually exclusive because the those two things are not um um they don't they disagree with each other do you, either people haven't seen and talked to god at any time or they have and it says again and again in the old testament and we're reading about it here where someone who's in a whole other faith apparently is able to basically cast a spell and invoke god to actually appear to him so if that's the case um, whether that's God Almighty or some sort of some sort of other spirit or entity that he's uh, invoked, they have invoked because it's two of them together. Which reminds me now of what Jesus says that when two or three, two or more come together in His name, uh, agree on earth on anything that they ask, um, it'll be granted. It makes me wonder if maybe that's an element of it also, and how sort of like Covens and Covenant Covens and um um monasteries and convents and sort of things work. It's the combined energy, the synergy of everyone following the same belief and actions that bring on the heightened jump that's needed, just like when you're experimenting with things and you add something different to it, some sort of catalyst to it to make it move to that next level. Uh, like they say in evolution, different things can pressure the situation so that there's that jump. It seems similarly, faith may work that same way, at least according to what we have in the Old Testament, because they've cast a spell, killed some animals, and God, according to the narrative, has appeared to them. And I'm just going to say it's as God now, um, rather than go through the whole explanation of God and Lord and their translations and that again and again and again. Um... Let's see. So they've done that. They've killed the animals. Um, oh, okay, so here we go. I think it was verse chapter, verse 4 where we left off. And God met the lamb and he said to him, I've prepared the seven altars and I've self-offered on each altar a bull and a ram. Then the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return to Balak and thus shall you, and thus you shall speak. So it said God was, and I hate to keep doing this because it makes it the page jump, and so it's hard to go back. We're verse five, but it's so useful. So now, Lord, as it says now in this verse, is being translated back to the word Jehovah, or from the word Jehovah, like like I was saying before, who is responding to him. So it's it's who the person at the time is believing to be God that's interacting with them. And like I said before, if you have supernatural events happening, like things flying around in the air and hovering over, and then the person or whatever it is you're interacting with appears to you in your tent, 
Uh, and that's the uh, routine and everyone can see it. It'd be understandable why people would think that that's God. But uh, they both can't be true that that's God that's appearing to them in such a mechanical, almost UFO type way. And that can't be true. And it'd be true also that Jesus says that no one's seen, that they haven't seen God at any time, or haven't heard his voice or seen his form. So it may be at the same time, like I said, some 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 sort of other entity interacting with them here in this um, verse. Um, but it just doesn't seem likely that it would be God Almighty. It can't possibly be God Almighty, as I think of God Almighty as like the, orig the origin of everything. Um, and those things also be true. But let's just keep reading to see how it, what it says happens next. So he's been um, given an order to return where he came from and apparently already given also the message that it would be in his mouth, meaning he would um, know what to say. It would come to him. Um, basically, when they say speaking in tongues, that's what tongue it's supposed to mean. It's not your own words being cooked up out of your own mouth. It's, uh, from what I understand, the spirit moving you and uh, inducing you to say something that is understood by everyone, not babbling something that's not understood by anyone. That's not what speaking in tongues is. Um, not from my understanding of what it, how it reads in the Bible anyway. Verse 6. So he returned to him, and there he was standing by his burnt offering, he and all the princes of Moab. So the sorcerer has returned um, with, to um, the one who inquired of him and all the people who arrived with him for the inquiry. Verse 7, and he took up his oracle and said, so this is him pronouncing what it is, the message was who it, that was given to him. Oh, I didn't realize it was separate. It was the same verse. But so, okay, so, and he took up his oracle and said, Balak, the king of Moab, has brought me from Aram, from the mountains of the east. Come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. So he's um, saying um, that Balak came to him, asking him to do this for him, inquiring of him to basically do his work his magic for him on the situation he's dealing with with the Israelites at his doorstep verse 8 how shall I curse whom God has not cursed how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced so he's saying how can he do anything contrary to what it is the Lord and God would have him do and God now is being translated not from the word Elohim, but from the word El, E-L. So, um, and I, am, I happen to notice that it, if you want to check that yourself, you can use this, uh, your own Bible resources, or the one I use is the blueletterbible.org website. It's free, and you can put use the red letter version and see when Jesus is speaking, because like I always said, Jesus only speaks in six of the 60 plus books in the Bible. A tithe of the Bible is what Jesus adds to it for us Christians, for all, but for us Christians to recognize and notice. But the word God here and Lord changes who it's translated from. And like I said, in this case, it's from the word El. And uh, Lord is from is Lord still from Jehovah then? Or let me just see, just so I don't want to give you the wrong information. 
So God has switched to El instead of Elohim, and Lord is still the word Jehovah, from the word Jehovah. So that seems like two different things to me. Maybe it's just two different titles. I won't even pretend to know that. So I'll um, let you figure it out how best you can. So um, let's see. It jumped down a few verses. I think we were here. Okay, so he's saying how can he um, say anything against what God would have be the turn of events to happen verse 9 from what for from what for from the top of the rocks i see him and from the hills i behold him there a people dwelling alone not reckoning itself among the nations so in that description it almost sounds like ukraine uh people saying no we're going to stand alone we're not going to have any allies we're we're not going to align ourselves with any of the people around us and then you see what's happened. It falls under attack and demands and doesn't ask for it. It's demanding help. And we went over all that, how I feel about all of that. But that's what's happening now. But you see what's happening with the people of the congregation that's on the move is they've made enemies along the way just asking to pass through the area and people being unwilling to let them and even turning out against them with war, saying... Um, no, and in the um are and the what demanding they not do it. So that was their answer here, and uh, that we're reading about now. Also, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, um. But so now in his prophecy that he's giving them, he's saying he can see them, the congregation, um, afar off. He's saying, but he can see them. It's still a people, a whole lot of them. And in verse ten, who can count the dust of Jacob? Or number one fourth of Israel, he's saying, let him die the death of the righteous, and let his end be like his. So he's basically saying, well, if you're lucky enough or wise enough to be able to number how many there are in that crew, in that congregation of people who, who they've all heard about, was rescued from being slaves, enslaved in Africa. And um, through all kinds of wonders and signs, including the sea being parted for them to pass through it, he's saying also if and if you can count the number of them, he's like then well, he said well then let me have a life like yours, and good God bless you for having a life like that, and um, and he's saying he'd like to die just like the person who's able to uh, count up that number of people, and like I said, uh, just from a modest count. If just from the census that they gave of just the males, the type, the specific number of males they gave, and age group of males they gave in the census in the Bible, it was six hundred thousand plus of that group of males alone, not including if half of them were married. That takes you easily right at a million. And then if, if that half had even just one child, when almost certainly since. They didn't have birth control like they have birth control now, where you can order it in five minutes on your phone. Um, but they probably, um, they all, almost they absolutely had other things. We read about the abortion method that they are what we'd call in modern terms abortion method that they had and used back then, with even the religious people being the ones carrying it out. So you can see how things morph and change through society putting its finger on the scale. 
thumb on the scale, I guess is the saying. Um, so uh, the prophecy is going to continue. Verse 11, then Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. And look, you've blessed them bountifully. He, so he's not pleased with the prophecy. When you go to see a person who has that sort of gift, it's it's like you're going to see a fortune teller or a palm reader. You're expecting them to give you good readings and say good things to you. Um, but if you're really expecting that, then that means you don't really believe they're, they're telling you anything objective at all. If you really believe they have a power like that or the ability like that to see into things like that, then you aren't going there with those kind of expectations at all. But if you are just going there to be stroked, then, yeah, you would expect something like that. And so he's gone there expecting the person not necessarily just to stroke his ego, but to do his bidding. He's gone to him to not do any, um, to do what you'd call in modern, in common English, black magic, to put some roots on the person for him. And he doesn't want to hear that uh, the people are just so blessed that it's not going to happen and you hear you bless them some more that's not what he wants to hear so um the reply of the sorcerer the soothsayer the prophet the holy man the one who's apparently according to the narrative is able to summon god if if you're able to do that then uh, I guess you're even holier than he is. If you're not able to do that, then you have to wonder, just like I said, then is that really God he was able to summon like that? According to the Bible, it's God. It says God and Lord. Um, But again, I happen to identify as a Christian, and the Christian things say otherwise. The Christian parts of the Bible say otherwise. That's the whole point of what Jesus says is to know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So someone could tell you if you're a thumper, uh, a person who believes that you have to follow everything from Genesis to Revelation because it's all the word of God, then okay, then if you believe that, then why don't you gather a, a bull and a goat and slaughter seven of them and similarly and, and and inquire God too and, and, and have God appear to you in the same way and give you a message and put the message in your mouth if you're able to do that same thing if you really believe that this is God we're talking about and you believe that in the New Testament it says no one's seen God at any time if, you, if that makes sense to you good for you God bless you um, like he said, go ahead and have that die that same death. But um, so um, his reply, verse twelve. So he answered and said, "Must I not take heed to speak what the Lord has put in my mouth?" So he's letting them know, I'm not here to just tell you whatever it is you want to hear. I'm here to actually give you whatever message it is I receive. So at least that sounds like he actually is. Not what it's well, the way they were expecting that he'd be able to just do whatever it is they tell him to or ask him to or pay him to because remember they showed up with um cash in hand, so to speak. They had the gifts with them, it's not like they're begging. Well, they are even still willing to beg for his help because um, they know the issue they're dealing with is large, they've seen the same group of people the congregation, the children of Israel, as they're called here in this part of the Bible, um, 
they've seen them conquer two other kingdoms that are areas all along the way that they were just trying to pass through and the people said no and went out against them for war and lost so they've seen them pass through the same way and he's seen them approaching his area and he's troubled about it so that's why he's seen the soothsayer prophet the man um um Balaam in the first place verse 13 then Balak said to him please come with me to another place from which you may see them you shall see only the outer part of them and shall not see them all curse them for me from there so he's like okay well if this group is just too righteous for you to work your magic on to put your whole your um work your mojo on to put your do your thing on put the whammy on for me then let's go and look at another group of them there are large groups he's like so let's go ahead and just move to a different location and check out another group of them he's like and maybe you can um curse them for him verse 14 so he brought him to the land of Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar so again if if you're if you believe the whole bible and it thumps it then please do this for me and ask for blessings for me for turning it on to you <laughs> that um you can do this offer a bull and a ram on seven altars and summon the lord and, and perhaps it would you know, i would it would tick me off if i cared about my creation and people were willy-nilly slaughtering them uh, slicing their throats however they're doing it even if it's a humane way killing those lives i created just to get me to show up because they don't see me in every way i try to show up to them for them with them along the walk of life as it is but if it gets if it works and gets that it gets the lord to show up please do that for me and uh, ask for good things for me for turning you on to it um, but so that's what he's done. Let's see what it does this time. He's gotten one appearance before, and apparently he's got that kind of connection to make it happen. Because why would um, he have gone to him? He must have a reputation for being able to be in touch with the Lord um, in that way. Otherwise, why would he have gone them in the first place? So um, let's see, so verse fourteen. So he brought him to the field of Zophim to the top of Pisgah. And built seven altars and offered a bull and a ram on each altar. Fifteen. And he said to Bilak, stand here by your burnt offering while I meet the Lord over there. So he's telling him, go ahead and um, make the offering and stand by it. And I'm going to move on over there. Like Jesus says, go come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. He, that's one of the red letters that he tells us Christians to do. To separate ourselves sometimes um in the same way he's separating he's told him made the offerings and said he's gonna go separate himself and meet with the lord um and it says the word meet is translated um i'll just read it to you what it says uh, from what i see it as following mesoteric i'm sorry maserotic text targum and vulgate syriac reads call and the Septuagint reads go and ask God okay so in other versions of the scriptures it's saying that he so he said stand here by your burnt offering while I 
And then this one we just read says meet the Lord over there. In other versions it says, in other versions it says, while I, <clears throat> excuse me, call the Lord over there. Um, so basically make the offering and I'm going to separate myself and actually conjure up, I guess, you see the appearance, make the appearance for, or call on just like it says, uh, maybe even it's a device. Like I've said before, it seemed crazy, but maybe they use devices that just aren't explained. Um, and in another version, it also says of the scriptures, it says, while I go and ask, uh, God over there. So he's basically saying, okay, make the offering and then I'm going to separate myself from you and see if I can get, a, um, actually make the prayer part of the offering separately and see if I can get an answer. Verse um, 16, then the Lord met Bilam and put a word in his mouth and said, go back to Balak and thus you shall speak. So conjuring work, the Lord showed up for him again. He's gotten another message again. Verse 17, so he came to him and there he was standing by his burnt offering. And the princes of Moab were with him. And Bilag said to him, what is the Lord spoken? So they see, they see the soothsayer is back and they wonder what he said, got to say. Verse 18, then he took up his oracle and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Listen to me, son of Zippor. So he's basically about to pronounce the message that he's been given from the Lord. Verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will not do? Or has he spoken and will not make it good? So... That's almost like that same saying of God is unchanging, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we've already seen example, example, example after example from the diet, diet, diet dietary restrictions alone that are called for so far. And we're only in the fourth book of the Bible. And we've seen the restrictions go from basically in the modern terms, vegetarian diet to uh, pork-free, shellfish-free diet to um, an eat-it-all diet. We've seen it all be on the menu and seen it change again and again, supposedly from God, from the Lord. And like and like I said, this is only the fourth book of the Bible. So that would be called what we'd call relenting or like he's saying, not that's the difference between relenting and repenting. He's saying that God is not a man that he should repent, meaning God's not going to do something and say, I'm sorry for it. But that also contradicts another part of the Bible, which uh, first I'll say what it is, what other part of the Bible it is before I forget. It's um, there's another part of the Bible that says the Lord it was sorry that he had put men on the earth. Remember just before um, the flood and then ended up bringing about the flood because people were ju are just so wretched and horrible, which people face it they are that's i think why jesus says only one is good that's god because people are pretty terrible people can do some wonderful things or surprise you in some wonderful ways and be surprisingly nice and wonderful sometimes but when they are horrible and wretched and terrible and nasty they're not really that surprising it's not disappointing at all it's it's usually very disappointing but not very surprising at all unfortunately but he's is saying here that god's not like men in that way that he's going to be sorry 
um, for something that he does. But like I said, that example about being sorry about greeting people in the first place is one example of it. And that's one you can find yourself. You can search out the words here on that same website I mentioned to you um, with the phrase and find it yourself. So at least that part of what he's saying is not true, even though it's right here in the Bible. And if it is true, then the other part can't possibly be true. They contradict. Both can't possibly be true. That... um, um that he should, should that he should re- repent um because um that's basically what repentance is has he said and will not do well um i don't know I, saying having it change again and again and that's just one of the things then there's the other thing about animal sacrifices um mostly there's the diet thing but there's the clothing restrictions that we've already gone over too and that the whole thing about having to have tassels on your clothes does that really sound like uh the lord and then turn around and have jesus come and give us the message as we christians are supposed to believe as i believe uh from the lord that says life is more than food and the body is more than clothing and that we shouldn't concern ourselves with what you should eat and what you should drink but um it's you know believe what you want to believe um so to continue with what he's saying verse 20 behold i've received a command to bless he has blessed and i cannot reverse it so he's letting them know here's my oracle my message to you my my message to you from god uh they've been blessed and i'm going to bless them verse 21 he has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. So a couple of things there I meant to mention this earlier. He, the Jacob and Israel that he's mentioning. When he says when it's saying Jacob, that's a person. When he's saying Israel, that's the same person whose name was changed to Israel. That's we already read about when that happened also. But it is also a nation of people who are descendants from the um, person Jacob slash Israel. And they, it is also the same origins, of at least it's the biblical origin stories of the people who make up the nation of Israel that live in an area that is also called Israel, also known as Palestine, also known as the um, Holy Land. It's that same people, that same Jacob and Israel that it's referring to here. Oh, excuse me. Let me have a drink. So I don't forget. Excuse me. We're at verse 21. I'm just curious what the words Lord and God are being translated from at this point in the story from the prophet's mouth. So Lord is being translated at this point, excuse me, from the word Jehovah again. But now the word God has switched from El now back to the word Elohim. So again, I'm no expert on these things. I'm just reading them to you. So I'm trying to get an understanding myself. Um, let's see, that was verse 21. So notice how they change. They don't stay consistent. They just get, all get translated to the English words, Lord and God, in our versions of the Bible. But 
Remember, there are other versions of the Bible. I'm just using the New King James Version because um, I like the red letters and I like the way it reads. But there are, are more, um, I wouldn't say authentic, but there are other versions that predate this version that as you get closer to the original language of it, the meaning can change because the translations can make a difference. And in some cases, the translations make a completely, completely huge difference. But what can you do unless you have the original Greek manuscripts and their translations of them, which the Blue Letter Bible does, if you want to use those, um, you can see... Um, I'm, I just, again, I like this version because it's easier to read and navigate. And especially when it comes to the red letters. But maybe now that I think about it, maybe in some of those instances where Jesus says things that are um, unclear, ambiguous to me, then um, maybe we'll try in those instances instead of just um, moving on. Maybe we'll try different. I'll try to remember to use different translations of the um or versions of the bible even to see if maybe it makes more sense that way next time that happens hopefully i remember let's see verse 21 he has okay so to explain what he said he's saying he's not seen anything wrong with what's going on with the children of israel with the um with the people as they move through the wilderness which we know that can't possibly be true look how many times he's massacred them meaning the lord has lashed out at them for being sassy and wiped out thousands and thousands of them and then not only that cursed some of them to the point where they've been told you're not going to make it to the holy land anyway but you're going to be cursed to have to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years how his prophecy isn't uh, making sense with what we've read about what's happened so far with them. So I think what it's really doing is meant to terrify and scare the one who came, went there to inquire of him, scare Belay. But um, let's see, verse, it may still be the prophecy received, and I, you know, I, that part is believable, um, but it's not consistent with what the people have experienced so far. Remember, they're miserable a lot of them and have more than once said let's just turn back to Africa let's go back to Egypt because it's been so bad according to them it's been so rough for them and so terrible for them that uh, the wandering through the wilderness and they've only done that not for 40 years at this point for last time they mentioned a date it was only just over a year and a couple of months when they as far as I can remember and that was only a few chapters ago when they um, had only been um, free from being slaves in Africa. And, and so then they've been given the sentence of 40 years in that time that they've got to wander around now. Um, when they've said again and again, let's just go back, let's just go back, let's just go back. And um, so, I don't know. This isn't, it's not consistent with what they've experienced. But it's, so it seems more like a prophecy laid out um or given meant to um terrify the one who's there belay um and the part about a, sh a shout of a king is among them and the word king there is um capitalized um and i think that's sort of a uh i don't know why else it would be capitalized if it's not to say 
that Jesus, the coming Savior, Christ, Messiah, is also in that crowd, or at least a part of his prophecy that um, to them that the Savior, the Messiah prophecy is real, and it's uh, among them where he's uh, who've been chosen. It's among those people that are as the. It's those people who are the chosen people that he's been um, chosen to come forth from. The King that he's uh, referring to in his prophecy here to them is Jesus. Verse twenty-two: God brings them out of Egypt. He has strength like a wild ox. Um, so he's talking now about their emancipa- emancipation from slavery and God now is being translated back to the from the word El now it's not Elohim it's not um, uh, it's El E-L uh, but it has a little um, um, accent over it so it, it may be pronounced a different way if you have the desktop version of um, you can use or, or if you're on your laptop desktop you can use the um the audio pronunciation tool on the website and see how they believe it's pronounced. Um, let me see. Uh, there was something about that whole wild ox reference. Um, I think there's a... I seem to recall in one of those documentaries that uh, those references are how... Uh, it was either the translators... Remember, we mentioned we did Septuagint earlier. That's one of the. Um, before I go off into stuff like that and get way off into stuff, I really don't know that much about. You can find out more about what we call the Old Testament and the um, Septuagint and that portion of it and all of that and um, how they believe in the translations of the word Lord and God, how it, why and how it keeps changing is that. Uh, one of the gods or lords that the people um, would tra- was would would translate from its word to the word Lord and God was sort of a uh, god known to be sort of their war god, a chariot god uh, who's always going out commanding different wars. And so I only mention that because you're gonna will probably notice that happening more and more throughout the coming books, like Chronicles and Kings. Um, of the different wars and things that are going to arise for the people and the, when they call on the Lord in those cases and what Lord it is they're trans, it's being translated to that they're actually calling on verse 23 for there's no sorcery against Jacob nor any divination against Israel it now must be said of Jacob and of Israel oh what God has done so that's what I was talking about earlier about the sorcery and divination. It's what you call in common English witchcraft, voodoo, roots, that sort of thing. He's letting them know you may try to use those sort of spiritual tools against them, but it's not going to work, uh, not against them. And he's saying um, basically God is on their side that what's going to happen is going to happen. And I think that goes back to where he mentioned the capital K king earlier, that it's part of the whole prophecy that leads to Christ. Verse 24, look, a people rises like a lioness and lifts itself up like a lion. It shall not lie down until it devours the prey and drinks the blood of the slain. So he's talking about 
the um, congregation, how they're moving through the wilderness and conquering the people they're encountering like a lion would conquer and tear apart the different animals it might encounter on its path. Verse 25, then Balak said to Balaam, neither curse them at all nor bless them at all. He's like, look, if you can't just do what I want you to do and curse them, then just go ahead and shut up. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't bother to curse them, but don't certainly don't go ahead and bless them. He ain't paying you to do that. Verse 26. So Balaam answered and said to Balak, did I not tell you saying all that the Lord speaks that I must do? He's like, look, I told you that that's what was going to happen, that whatever message I get is what I'm going to tell you. Um, I warned you about that when I told you no in the first place, but you insisted on it anyhow, and I'm telling you just what I told you was going to happen. Verse 27, then Balak said to Balaam, please come. I will take you to another place. Perhaps it will please God that you curse them for me from there. So he's like, let's give it one more try um, from a different spot to go ahead and curse them to go ahead and work your magic and curse that group of them anyway now let's you know there's a whole lot of people you can go to those two different mountaintops and see a group of them and they're going to a third area now um, and can see a whole other set of them verse 28 so Balak took Balaam to the top of Peor that overlooks the wasteland so um, that's that Jeshimon that's the wasteland that they're referring to and that's the next spot where he's taking him to overlook the people there. Probably the poorest of the bunch. If it's an area called the Wasteland, um, that's probably where the poorest of the poor were, um, were housed, just like in modern times. But maybe not. Verse 29, then Balaam said to Balat, Build for me here seven altars, and prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. So the same thing, his same conjuring, same casting to get uh, an appearance from, I presume, the Lord, since that's what he's done twice now already. And he's done the same thing now, kill the rams and the uh, bulls and um, built the altars, not only that, um, kill the rams and the bulls and waiting on another message. Verse 30, and Balak did as Balaam had said, and offered a bull and a ram on every altar. So he's done the part he was told to do, to do the, uh, you know, the slaughtering. And um, so now, probably just like before, but well, no. Um, this time, he'll um, see what the Lord has to say, since that's how he's able to conjure up appearances from God. And and again if you believe the whole bible then please do this for me and ask for good things for Misha please do that and God bless you for it and God bless you for joining me now that was the last verse of this reading stay safe and uh, thanks again um, I'm kind of trying to do more readings more often as God's willing so that we can get on through these books we're moving on through the book of numbers now and um, I appreciate you checking them out you can hear past ones here on this platform or if you're an adult you can hear the readings that are closest to my heart the red letter readings um, of the naked truth there um, hungtgirl.com is the website 
and you can um, explore body, mind, spirit, and soul all about what I can let you know about me there. And I'm in the process of updating that platform also to make it as free as I can so that you can not only read that part and read along with me if you want to with the Naked Truth readings there, um, but can also um, see the other parts for free also and um, make it a donations-only website so that let that be what sustains it. Stay safe. God bless you. And thanks again. Peace be with you. See you next time.